Well, in these first several weeks together as a church, moving into this year, moving into the eighth year of ministry as a church, we have declared it the year of new things. Eight is the number of new beginnings, and it's not just for our church. I genuinely believe that for your life. God is the God of fresh, amen? Come on, God is the God of new, and he wants to do. God is always at work. Does anyone believe it? Like, it's, he's always working. He's always, and, and what we need to do is allow ourselves to get on page with the work that God is wanting to work, the fresh things that God is wanting to do, the new things. And we, we all love fresh. We all love new. No one shows up at the grocery store and goes, hook me up with some stale bread, please. Like, I'd like to, where's the stale, where do you keep the stale stuff? This one's too fresh. Oh, this one's nice and firm. I'm going to take the stale. No one does that. We like fresh bread. We all like ourselves some Krispy Kreme. But how many of you know it's better when it's, it's better when it's fresh? Microwave doesn't do it justice, everybody. You got to get it fresh. And for that, you might have to drive a little bit. Ask me because I know I have driven to find myself at a Krispy Kreme when it's fresh. We all love it. Well, God, my friends, is the God of fresh. He, he loves to do fresh things in our life. Isaiah chapter 43. Let's go down to the next verse. 19, this is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses and the reinforcements together, and there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He says this, forget the former things. Pause with me. He reminds the children of Israel, I once made a way through the sea. You were once up against the Red Sea, everything looked impossible, but I did something new. I did something fresh. I made water stand up on end. Never had done that before. I did something new. I did something fresh. I made a way through the sea. And what begins to happen is we watch God work in one season of our life, in one way in our life, and we expect God to work in this season of our life the way he worked in that season of our life. And so some of us go and we stay at the Red Sea, so to speak. It was miraculous. It was amazing. But what God does is move us forward, not by moving us backwards. He moves us forward by calling us into something new. And part of it is, is because he wants to develop an intimacy with you. He doesn't want your walk to be just kind of on autopilot. Like, okay, I do this and then God does that. Or I do this and then Jesus healed all the time. But he rarely, if ever, healed the same way twice. Sometimes he'd spit and make mud. Sometimes he'd send him there. And sometimes he'd just speak. You wish he'd be the person you'd just speak over. But you might be the one that he's going to spit and make some mud and put it in your eye. You don't even know. What God asks you to do is not worry about how he's going to do it, but be willing to walk with him into however he desires to do it. Amen? So God says, here's what I once did, but now, Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Don't go back there. Don't be waiting at the sea for it to dry up, because I'm going to move you to the desert so you might see it spring up. It's a whole new thing. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I once made a way through the sea. But now I'm calling you into intimacy with me. I'm inviting you into the desert so you can watch me make a way in the desert. And friends, it takes some faith to walk with God into new things. Amen? And anytime you do, anytime you move toward what it is God has for you, listen to me. It's true, and, it, and it, it's not what you want to hear, but it's true. It's biblical. There's going to be obstacles, and you have to understand that. I think that there is, there is a lack of understanding when it comes to how difficult it actually is sometimes to walk in the things that God has for our lives. There's this thought 
within the church that if it's God, then it's just going to be easy. So on the opposite of that, you've told yourself if it's hard, it must not be God. Or if there's an obstacle, well, God's obviously not in it. If, if it was God, then it would just, you know, it would just happen. No, you need to remember, friends, that everything in Scripture that you celebrate works like this. A call of God, an obstacle standing in the way, a man or woman of faith that navigates that obstacle in faith to watch God work on the other end of it. Every, watch, every story you celebrate has a David and the obstacle Goliath and the man in faith that runs with, you know, walking a sling. It has a children of Israel and the walls of Jericho. And the children of Israel who go out and walk around the walls of Jericho. Doesn't make sense. But there's a, there's a call of God to take down the walls. There's an there's a obstacle, like, you know, the, the walls. And, but people are just willing to go out, step in, out in faith. God doesn't level the obstacles is what I'm trying to tell you today. He doesn't take them out of the way. He asks you in faith to work through them. You know, God, God could have caused... When everybody was hungry, the 5,000 plus women and children, 10, 50,000, God could have caused it to rain down bread from heaven and fish to go swimming up through the grass. He could have done that, right? How in the world are we going to feed all these people? That would have been a really, you know, innovative way of doing things. That's new. When I talk about new things, God wants you to do that. No, what God did is he said, I'm going to invite you into the miracle, and you're going to be a part of working through this obstacle by you're actually going to get involved and hand out the fish. You're going to hand out the bread. You're going to be a part of it. God is always inviting you into process. Do you understand? He's always inviting you into this, into this, into this step. You know, if, if Paul the Apostle had the philosophy of, if it's not easy, it must not be God. Imagine if Paul the Apostle had that philosophy. Like he has he this call of God, preached the gospel to the ends of the earth. He goes out, and now he's being threatened. Like his very life is being threatened. And if Paul took the philosophy that many take today, the gospel would have never made it out of Jerusalem. But he gave his life realizing that what God had called him to is so important. What God had called him to was so great that he'd be willing to give anything, work through any obstacle that came his way. So here's what we're doing together, is we're identifying the call of God, but we're also working through the obstacles. So we ask ourselves two questions. We ask ourselves the question, what is something I want to see God do, something fresh I want to see God do? And for this to be effective, you need to answer that in your heart and mind. Come on, what is the fresh? What, what, what do you want to see God, uh, you know, redeem you from, release you from, move you into, where do you want to see God work? You need to answer that in your heart and mind. You got it? Come on, you got it? I'm going to wait. You got it? Somebody got it back there. What is it? Where do you want to see God move fresh in your life? The second question you ask yourself is this. What is this something fresh God's asking you to do with your life? God, here's what I want you to do. And God says, okay, well, in order for you to see me do, then you've got to do, Right? I think it's so ironic that often we are wanting God to do something fresh with our life, but we're totally unwilling to do something fresh with our life. God, do something new in my life, but I'm not going to do anything new with my life. But in order for us to see God do new in our life, we have to be willing to step out and do something new with our life. God calls us into new. He calls us into fresh. And, and you're going to work through obstacles. You're going to come up against challenges. And so we're working through those challenges, and the first challenge that we work through as we step out of the new. Like you're hearing it, this is the new thing God's calling me to do. And like you get all amped up in church, let's go. 
And that's what I want. I want you inspired. When you walk out, there's going to be obstacles. You go to make that phone call, get into counseling, push forward. You go to do it. There's going to be obstacles. And we're dealing with those. The first big obstacle was the obstacle of failure. You're going to, you might fail. But when you fail, you don't have to stay fallen. You get back up. The grace of God washes you, move you forward. Amen. We talked about that last week, right? You just keep moving forward. So you got to know that failure might, you're, you're not faithful. He's faithful. Amen. And so you keep leaning in his faithfulness. But here's what I want to talk to you about in the moments that we have left. Another obstacle is the obstacle of fear. Fear is another massive obstacle that holds people back from the great things that God is wanting to do in their lives. In the book of Numbers chapter 13, the children of Israel, on the edge of the promised land, they're literally at the cost of everything God had prepared for them. Think about this. This is a, this is a parallel into your life. So many right now are standing on the very edge of everything that belongs to them. Like God said that, that the, the land already belonged to them. It was already theirs. He marked it for them. They're on the very edge of stepping into it. But one obstacle that's going to come up against you is this obstacle of fear. I'll show it to you. Watch. The children of Israel are being led out of slavery. Some of us today, you find yourselves in a place of oppression, and God is going to lead you out. They're in this place of oppression under Pharaoh. They're, they're slaves, and God raises up a man named Moses to lead them out of slavery and into the promised land. It's already theirs. It's been promised to them. And as they move from that place of slavery in the promised land, they're watching God do miracles. First, it's these plagues that come against Egypt. Miraculous. And God is kind of flexing. He's pushing some power into the Pharaoh. He's showing Pharaoh, you need to let these people go. You need to, and finally the Pharaoh lets them go. And they watch God perform mirac miracles for that to happen. And then they get all the way up to the Red Sea, and God does another miracle. Instead of them drowning at the Red Sea and being taken out by their enemies, the Red Sea stands up on end. They walk through on dry ground. I'm telling you, if anything's going to booster your faith, it's going to be like watching God cause the sea to stand up on end, right? So they watch God split the sea. They walk through on, the other, on, the, through on dry ground. They get to the other side, and now they're hungry. What does God do? miraculously provides food from heaven. They called it manna. What does manna mean? What is it? That's what it means. They went out and they go, what is it? Let's just call it that. That'd be so confusing. What are you going to have today? What is it? I don't know. God gives them manna miraculously. And they're making manna cotti, manna bread, and they got a lot going on. That's my dad's joke. I saw it. God is providing. God is providing. Miraculously providing. They need water. God tells Moses, talk to the rock. That's new. Water comes from the rock. God's providing. God's providing. And they watch God lead them. By day, it says a pillar of, of or a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Miraculously lead. Come on. You should be walking as a children of Israel, like in faith. I'm telling you right now, every one of you have stories like the children of Israel. You look back and go, look what God did. And then God did this. And then, I mean, you should be walking, child of God, like this. It's like God's got me, Right? I mean, think about all he's already done in your life. Think about all he's already taken you through in life. Think about all that he's, like, you might not be where you should be, but my goodness, thank God you're not where you used to be. How? Because God's miraculously been leading you. So you should be walking in faith. And when you get up to the very edge of your next step, you're going to find yourself at times like the children of Israel. What were they dealing with? 
I mean, they should have been walking filled with faith. They should have been walking head held high. They should have been walking. But what's it tell us in Numbers chapter 13, verse 31? They get to the edge, and instead of saying, let's go get it, they go, maybe we, maybe we should send some spies into the land to kind of check it out and make sure it's all going to be okay. Hey, it's going to be okay. God said it's going to be okay. Just go in the, no, no, no. We should send in some spies. They didn't, you know, really, this is you guys. We should, maybe we should just calculate it one more time. Maybe we should do the math one more time. Maybe we should talk to so-and-so. You know, they've talked to 100 people. They've all said the same thing. Like, God's confirmed it over and over again. But they're like, what? So they send in spies. The spies come back, and here's what they say. The men who had gone with them said, we can't attack those people because they are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. Guys, this is the promised land of God. And here's the, the land we explored devours those who move into it. Right? It's totally the enemy. Now here's exactly what God has for you. But the enemy's whispering to you, no, no, no. It'll devour you. It's going to ruin you. It's going to... The land God's about to give you is actually going to make your life worse. Think about how much sense that makes. The land we explored devours those living in all the people we saw are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak that came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That night, it says that all the members of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if we had only died in Egypt or in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? This is some of us. You get all the way up to exactly what it is God has for you. And you're like, oh, God, this looks hard. This big, this big giant, and, and I don't know how it's going to work. And all of a sudden, they're at the edge of everything God has for them. Fear begins to grip their hearts. It says, our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, we ought to choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. It's always hard to lead anything, everybody, is the point of that, right? They get up to the edge of the promised land, and fear begins to grip their heart. You fast forward to years later. The children of Israel did not end up entering the promised land at that time, but years later, God raises up a man named Joshua to now lead the children into the promised land, to take the next step. That generation, because of fear, was unable to, unwilling to, but now Joshua's at the edge of the promised land, and friends, he is about to go in. God has given him the command to go in, and what is he wrestling with? I want you to see it. What is he wrestling with? Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Now, why in the world would God show up and tell Joshua to be strong and courageous and not to be afraid? It's because he was afraid. He's standing at the edge of all that God has, and fear is still, years later, gripping even his heart. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua, you've seen me be with you your whole life. It's not going to change now. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Fear. One generation, next generation, wrestling with fear. You know, we tend to think that the people God uses, the people God works through, are the people who are fearless. Like a good message on fear at church should be how to live fearless, right? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be up, I'm going to have no fear. And you know, let's do a whole series. But 
Here's the, here's the problem. It says impractical. Like, you show me in Scripture somebody who is up against what God called them to do who didn't experience a little bit of fear. The reality is that God's not calling us to be fearless. He's calling us to be faithful. The fear won't move. But my faith will be greater than the fear that's in front of me. My faith will start to navigate whatever I have to because I might not be fearless, but I sure can be faithful. And what you see in Scripture is God saying, hey, you're praying, God, would you just remove my fear? And God's going, no. But I will, I will strengthen your faith. See, I, 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 will, I will pour fuel on your faith. There's something like 360... 365 times, I should know that, one for every day of the week. Commands in Scripture to not be afraid. Why are there so many? Because there was a lot of people who were afraid. God had to show up a lot of times and say, don't be afraid. There's fear present. I find in my life, that everything call, every time God calls me to do something new, God calls me to do something fresh, it's always the same. I'm just transparent with you, okay? Every single time it's the same thing. I, I sense the Spirit of God whispering to my heart. I, I know what my next step is. Some of you, you know exactly what your next step is. The problem is you don't like it. You know what it is God's asking you to do, but you're like, that looks scary. And I don't know. And if I do that, then this is going to happen. If that happens, this is happening. You play it all out in your mind. You don't like how it ends up. And so therefore, you're like, I can't take that step. That's very scary. And I, I, I hear you because I felt it over and over again. Man, I would love to tell you the story that when God called Tatum and I to plant Citizens Church, and every time God's called us to take a step of faith, we just are filled with, filled with so much faith that we're not even afraid. We're fearless, you know. And when, when we stepped out here, we was like, oh, no big deal. That's not true. When God whispered into our hearts what he wanted to do, the next emotion, what was very close to us was fear. Like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. That's just crazy. And we just mustered up enough. I'm telling you, it wasn't like, it wasn't like me walking into the board, board going, we're going to move to Brothers and start a church, and that's that. And here we, it wasn't that. It was, hey guys, we're going to move. I think God's calling us to move and plant a church. And I had the board meeting, walked out, and I went, maybe we should call the board back. And tell them that we're crazy, and I, maybe maybe we shouldn't be doing this. It's like, this is so scary. And then Dustin Batalo, he's here today. He showed up at our house while we're praying like this, and he spoke over. You need to go. God's got this. I've seen it on you, and God put people around us to help build our faith. What I'm trying to tell you is, your pastor was afraid. There was fear. We moved out here, and we're like, what in the world did we just do? It's not like when I got into the territory. It's like, well. Oh, that makes sense. No, you guys, like, I had a couple weeks left of the severance I was given. I don't know how we we're going to make ends meet. I, my, my wife and I both were home. Like, Tatum was crying daily because we were like, what did we just do? My mom was bringing us grapes to help comfort us on a daily basis because she's a good mom. And she knows what I like, everybody, a little some grapes. You just eat them and eat them and eat them and not feel guilty. But they taste like candy. You had those cotton candy ones? Insane. And there we were, everybody. Listen, I just want you to hear it. Fear. Fear. So let me give you really quick. What do we do with it? It's not God take away my fear, but help me overcome my fear. How do you overcome your fear? I need you to do this. Write this down. Watch. You need to reframe your fear. Write this down. I'm going to preach this for a second. Reframe your fear. Typically, 
when you think of fear, when something, when, when we think of fear, we think of something warning us from danger, something you need to stay away from. If I'm afraid of it, I need to run from it, right? It's a fight or flight response based on our, our self-preservation. So don't go there. Stay away from them. Don't do that. You know, fear, fear, fear. But what if? What if what we thought was a warning of danger is actually a call into destiny? And I need you to hang with me. What if the fear inside of you that you think that's the thing I need to run from is the very thing that God is actually calling you to run toward? What if instead of running from the, from the roar, you need to run toward the roar? You run toward the thing you're afraid of. Because what if it's in that thing that God's asking you to exercise faith? And it's an invitation of, of faith. And so what if... You started reframing your fear, paying attention to the things that you find yourself wanting to run from. What if the things that God wants us to step into are the very things you've been trying to ignore because you're afraid of? God grows us, I think, by disrupting us. He disrupts your life. And he has to because you are a person who loves creature comforts. So here's what happens in your life. You do something the same way over and over, and it's comfortable, but that thing now is not good to help you move into the next season of your life and the next stage of your life, but you've grown comfortable with it. And so in order for God to move you beyond it, he has to disrupt your life. You've created for yourself comfort zones. So let me, let me point blank. I'm, I'm okay with where the marriage is. Oh, I know it could be better, and I know God has more, but I'm okay. I'm okay. It's not, I'm okay with it. What is that? It's a comfort zone. You created for yourself a, 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 kind of, you're just kind of stale. And I, I'm, I'm okay with my level of faith. I'm okay with my level of leadership. I'm, I'm okay. You know, I, I'm all right with the way things are, are happening at, at, at work. And man, I have this call. I kind of feel like I should, you know, start a new company or, or apply for a new job. But, but I just, I'm living within these comforts. The way God grows us is he's going to disrupt you. There's going to be something that's very scary that he calls you into. And he's, I love how he starts. He starts by just whispering it to you. Hey, maybe you should go get that counsel. Hey, maybe you should make that phone call. Hey, I think you, and God just, he's just gentle. The Bible says he's gentle with us. But you know what happens if we start to ignore all those gentle nudges of God? <laughs> Anyone ever had like God show up and, and just disrupt everything? Like, oh, you don't want to apply for the new job? How about you not have a job? Okay, so now, like, I've had those things happen. What is, and you go, oh, God. But come on. How many times has God been faithful? You lose that job only to get a better job. What has God been doing? I've been trying to move you here the whole time. You just, you're just not, you know, walking. And so I got to kind of, you know, God disrupts us. He disrupts us. He disrupts us. And so what I'm trying to tell you, friends, is that pay attention to the places where you feel some disruption in your life, where the things that you find yourself running from in life. You know, it could be that that's where God wants you to go, to move you beyond your comfort zone. So let's just say I had a fear detector with me today. I know it looks a lot like an iPhone, but it's actually a fear detector. It's a, it's a discomfort detector, all right? And if I started to scan the audience, scan your life, and I was to bring up different topics, and was like, don't point it at me. I saw that, like, please don't point it my way. This is great. And I started bringing up different topics. When you start to feel, watch this, your pulse quick and your heart race, and you start to go, oh, don't talk about that. I don't want to. Right? Pastor, move on. Change the subject. Chances are 
that that might be the very spot that God's wanting to, to work. And so if we start going a little, and just kind of, just kind of, we're going to reframe our fear, everybody. Like, hey, it's time to not just settle for where the marriage is. You got to go in and get some counseling. Oh, oh, God's been talking to you about that. Right? Oh, hey, it's time for you instead of struggling on your own to do that thing that you've kept in secret. It's time for you to actually expose that. Talk with somebody about it. Get some help. Right? You feel me? Hey, it's time. It's time. It's time. Come on. And what is that thing right now inside of you where you're going, I've been ignoring it. Please don't bring it up right now, Pastor. Please don't say it. Please don't say it. Please don't say it. Please don't say it. Please don't say that I need to make that shift in my life. Reframe your fear. That thing is the thing that in this moment you need to stop running from and you need to start running toward. Everything God has for us is outside your comfort zone. You've got to be willing to step outside of what's comfortable. And God is going to push you there. Reframe your fear. Someone say reframe your fear. Say it like you're preaching it. Reframe your fear. Reframe it. Pay attention to it. So now you reframe your fear. What, what do you do after that? You get yourself a healthy fear. Come on. Get yourself a healthy fear. What do you mean by healthy fear? What is, what's a healthy fear? I'll show you what a healthy fear is, friend. Here's, here's how we overcome fear is you reframe your fear. And then you have a healthy fear. A healthy fear is found in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And here's what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But those who despise wisdom... But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or knowledge. Here's a healthy fear, friends. The fear that God is speaking of here in Scripture, it means to reverence. It's to, it's to awe. It, it means that because you reverence and are in awe of God, you then, watch this, put yourself in subjection and submission to God. Your loyalties to God. That's the fear here. Because, because, because I fear God and God alone, I submit to God and God alone. See, let me say it to you like this. He's the biggest deal in my life. I reverence him first above all other things. And if I'm ever going to overcome the fear of what people might think about me, if I'm going to overcome the, the fear of where this might go if I take that step, if I'm going to overcome that fear, I have got to have a greater reverence for God than I do for those things. A greater fear of God than I do of what people think about me or what might happen if or what, right? And when I have a healthy fear, I walk around going, God, I don't care what people think about me. Because I'm only concerned with what you think about me. God, I, I, I don't, I really don't. God, I would like to see this work out that certain way. But God, really, I don't care about how it all works out because all I care about is staying in step with you because I reverence you and then all of you, my fears of you, not how it's going to work out because God, if you said it's going to work out, let's go. I can't see it. Oh, is that why you said that we walk by faith, not by sight? See, I have a healthy fear. I fear God. I reverence God. Listen, He's the biggest deal in my life. He's my biggest concern. He's, he's my everything. And, and because of that, now watch. 
Because I have a healthy fear of God, I'm not subject to anything else. Please hear me. I am subject, Chris Norman, my family, we are not subject to the decisions that California wants to make. Oh my gosh, can you? I am not, I'm not chained to that. Can you hear me? Like, I'm not subject to, oh, we need to, and we don't need to, and what should we, you know? Do whatever you're going to do. Because I'm not, I'm not afraid of whatever you throw at me. Why? Because I have a healthy fear. It's not, I don't, I might lose and I might, I fear God. So therefore, I'm not subject, I'm not subject to intimidation. I'm not subject to I'm not subject to my worry. I'm not subject to anything that you try to throw. I'm subject to God and God alone. I'm, I'm, I'm committed to God and God alone. He's bigger than anything. Like, I'm not subject to lies. I'm not subject to threats. I'm not subject to anxiety. See, why? Because I'm subject to God, who is bigger than anything that comes against me. Amen? See, I got a, I got a healthy fear. I'm all right. And that's where we, God invites us. Like, why was David able to run out onto the battlefield up against Goliath when everyone else in, in the army is up there just, oh, he's so big. David had something he didn't have. He had a healthy fear of God. He's like, I'm not afraid of that. My, I'm not reverencing that. I don't, res- I, I don't have to respect that. My reverence is to God. My respect is to God. My, my submission is to God because he's, he's bigger than, see, he had a healthy acknowledgement of just how great his God was. Healthy fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, friends, when, when you pray for God to do something fresh in your life, he wants to. So, God, what do you want to do, do in my life? Then he answered the question, well, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What's that next step? When you go to take that next step, I promise you, fear will be in the atmosphere. Fear will be close by. But you're going to overcome that fear. What? You're going to reframe it. You're going to get a healthy fear. And then you're going to take a step of faith. Healthy fear, and you take a step of faith. You've got a healthy fear, and you've got to take a step of faith. Joshua 1.3. I want you to see something. Take a step of faith. Joshua 1.3. Notice what God does to move Joshua forward. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to, what's the next step, everybody? Cross the Jordan River. Now when God said that, they went, there's no way. The Jordan River at this time is flowing at its highest level. You will drown if you try to cross the Jordan River, but it's the next step. It looks like an impossible step, but it is the step God's asking them to take. You're going to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give you to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot just as I promised Moses. God gave him his next step. It made no sense. It was scary. What's your next step, friend? Maybe it's making that phone call. Maybe it's having that conversation, applying for that job, confessing for the first time what's really going on inside your life so you can finally be healed. You've got to take that step. 
Because the biggest secret to moving forward into the new things that God wants to bring in your life is to just keep taking steps. Sometimes it's to just get started. If the enemy could keep you from giving, getting started, he could keep you from ever experiencing what God has. You just got to get started. And every time you're on the edge of that step, fear is going to try to stop you. Maybe you've been up to that edge a hundred times. But this time, something has got to change. You've got to put your foot down. You've got to take the step. And when you're willing to do what God is asking you to do, he'll show up and do more than you could ever do. You know, when Joshua got down there to the Jordan River, he sent the priest in carrying the ark to take that step. And it just looked crazy. Here's this river flowing that's going to wipe out all of these that are traveling. But you know what it tells us? That it tells us that when the priests put their toes in the water, that the water stood back all the way up to the next city and the rest of it drained out in the Red Sea. Like when, when they put their foot in the water, when they did what God told them to do, he showed up and made a way. See, you're waiting for God to build your bridge over the Jordan. God, if you build a bridge over the Jordan, it would be really nice. God says, no, you put your foot in it. You, you step into the very thing. Reframe that fear. You step into the very thing you're afraid of. You step into the very thing that's trying to threaten you right now. And God, he's just so good. And he just, come on, he'll move you into more. Come on, church. He'll move you into greater. He'll move you into your best yet. Look at it's not don't be afraid, but be filled with faith. Because the one who is calling you to have faith is more faithful than you could ever imagine. You just take that step. You never know how God's going to show up. You never know what God is going to use or how he's going to provide. And you'll never know until you take that step. So what's that step for you? Come on. What's the step for you? For some of you, you know exactly what you need to do. And I just pray you do it. You keep doing it. Don't run from fear. There's others of you in here today. Your next step is to give your life to Jesus. Like you, you've been sitting in church and you've yet to surrender your life to Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today right here in the waters of baptism. For some of you have not said yes to Jesus, you're going to come up today. I'm going to ask everyone who comes forward, have you given your life to Jesus? Some of you are going to say, absolutely, yes, I have. Others are going to say, not yet. For those of you who have not yet given your life to Jesus, we're going to lead you in a word of prayer. And today you're not going to just give your life to Jesus. You're going to give your life to Jesus and get baptized. There's others of you who have already given your life to Jesus. And your next step is to follow him into the waters of baptism. You know that the Bible says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was the very next step for anyone who had chosen to follow Jesus. So if you say, I follow Jesus, the next thing you'll do is follow him into the waters of baptism. Why? Because it's a, it's a public expression of what God has done inside of your life. It's, a, it's an obedience issue. It's saying to the world, I belong to him and I'm submitting my life to him. I'm going public with my faith. And there's some of you that need to do that today. The Bible says that baptism is a picture of us identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. You're like, what's his hand doing? Look at it, it's going down in the water and it's rising again. And that's 
That's what happens in baptism is you are saying, listen, I'm going into the water and I'm dying to my old way of life. Some of you need to say goodbye to that way of life once and for all. I have no hold over you. You die to your old way of life and then you rise again. I think it's Romans if we have that. Romans says, do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? There's going to be some death happening, right? Some death to the old way of life. And we therefore were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live a new life. And that's what baptism is, friends. It's a identifying that with your life. Some of you giving your life to Jesus, you've not yet done this. This is your next step. I'm telling you, when you obey him in baptism, it opens up your life again to the territory he wants to move you into. Some of you are not experiencing the territory because you've not yet even been obedient to this very first thing he's asked you to. This is you declaring that I belong to him. I always call it the wedding ring of Christianity, right? When Kate and I got married, we said our vows. I made sure that we had a ring. Why? Because when we left, I wanted her to look down and go, I'm married. I wanted everyone else around to look and go, oh, she's taken. Because they're always checking her out all the time. I wanted to be like, sorry, taken. And it's the same thing with baptism. Look, baptism is a moment you always look back on and go, oh, yeah, when the world's trying to flirt with me, when people are being like, oh, sorry, taken, taken. Already, already belonged to somebody. And that's what Jesus intended it to be. Some of you need that. Every time we do a baptism, I'd love to just share with you some of the stories. I mean, church, we watch God change lives all the time. There's hundreds and hundreds of stories we could line up. But I'd like to share with you just one, and we're going to have a soldier baptism. Hi, my name is Devin, and this is my baptism story. In March of 2021, I went through something pretty traumatic with my boyfriend at the time, and it sent me spiraling into a depression. I was constantly anxious, living in fight or flight, and I was still talking with God, but I felt lost. I felt broken. And then driving down Cajon Street, <laughs> I see these orange flags that say citizens and I looked it up online and I saw that it was a church and I looked up um, what service times were. Together we went to Citizens Church and we sat in the front center and I just cried. <laughs> I cried through so many services because I felt safe there. I felt safe to just let my guard down and let God in. And even though I felt at my absolute rock bottom, I felt that joy that we describe when you know God, when you have God in your life, that God is with you in the fire. I felt that. And so even though I felt awful, I also felt better than I ever have. So through those months, eventually God told me that it was time to leave that relationship, which I did. I went to service the next day and 
It was the first time I ever went to church officially alone. And I practically ran out of the doors as soon as service ended. <laughs> and I heard Carmina yell my name. So I turned around reluctantly. <laughs> and she asked if she could pray over me. And no one had ever done that before. Around that same time, I joined my first C group. I had never been part of a Christian community. I don't have a lot of Christian friends, so it was the perfect opportunity for me to make some. They really valued everything I had to say and welcomed me as a part of the group. And those were some of the best times because we learned from each other. We leaned on each other through everything that I was going. They were there. <laughs> we started going to church and meeting up at church, sitting in the same row together, and just that was really nice to have. With the help of my C group, all the girls in there, and just Citizens Church, the community, we defeated the spirit of depression and anxiety within me. I finally feel free living in God's truth, and I'm ready to surrender my life to God. I'm ready to give up control and let it all go. And this is my way of celebrating and praising all that God has done for me and is doing for me. Come on. Matthew 10:39 says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. Well, I'm ready to let go. Like Pastor Chris tells us every Sunday morning, there's more for you. And I know that to be true. I believe it. And that is why I'm Come on, church. Amen. Sorry. Come on, church. Amen. God's changing lives all the time. In our midst, God is changing lives all the time. In our midst, God does the miraculous. Where you say there is no way, he is a God who makes a way. Are you willing to take a step into that way?